All righty, everybody good, huh? Whoa. Nice to see the Summers and the Gonzales made it back from Argentina. Let's give them a good hand. It's always good to go, but honestly, there's no place like home. Isn't that right? I always like to be back home. So I'm excited uh, this morning. That was really good. The worship was good, wasn't it? I mean, the Lord really is trying to get a message across to us. Uh, And the message is Him. It's the Lord Himself. And that's really what the Lord is really trying to emphasize, I believe, in this hour. Because it's a safety for us for what God wants to do uh, is that for us to be grounded in Him and grounded in our relationship and our fellowship with the Lord. Because that's the thing that's going to keep us because God's got so much good stuff He wants to bring. It's going to be so good that it might distract you from Him if you're not grounded in Him. Now, I really believe that's the truth. I believe God's got such a wonderful outpouring of the Spirit that's going to come on the church that uh, if, if our relationship with the Lord is not solid, it could actually pull us away from God and distract us. How many people know that? How many people know that what's a, what is a blessing at number two in your life will become a curse at number one in your life? Right? Jesus is number one. And I'll tell you, if His... If the anointing, all the things that he wants to do become number one, they'll, they'll actually become bad for you. So God's really trying to encourage us to, to enjoy him. Well, I believe there's this shift coming, and it's already happening. Here's what the shift is. The shift is God wants us to go from just experience, having an experience with him, to us being that experience. You got that? We've been having encounters with the Lord, experiences in the supernatural realm, all those things, and those, those are awesome. But God wants to, the shift is, is God wants us to become those experiences for people. Amen? Now, that's a, a, a huge shift. But he, it, God wants that, those kind of things to become such a part of who we are uh, that we carry that everywhere we go. Um, one of the things, I, uh, you know, Friday night we had this uh, thing, fundraiser for the people that are going to Tanzania. And I got this, this revelation set me. I came here. It was awesome, man. How many people came to that? Raise your hand. It, the, the environment in here, the atmosphere was wonderful. Uh, and it wasn't like a, uh, it was like, I was, I was getting this revelation. You know how some churches really have a focus to be seeker sensitive? You know, and and their whole vision is to draw the unsaved into the church. Uh, And so they sort of design all their church services around that, which, you know, that's just what they do. And then a lot of people say churches should design their Sundays around that and then have special Holy Spirit meetings, which I sort of don't believe that. I sort of believe opposite. I believe you've got to go after the Holy Ghost with the church, with your congregation. Uh, But I do, I I was getting a vision how you could have a a service like that, design like that, and it was... uh, you know, the way it was, it was just music. It was, they were playing music. They weren't Christian songs. Okay, but so you get, you draw the unsaved into an environment like that where the peace of God is present. And you, it's a bait. You bait them with that. I'm serious. It's a bait. They, and they come into an environment like that, and then they become, they, there's a hunger get released in their hearts, and then you can yank them into the Holy Spirit River when, they ain't, when they're not suspecting anything. And so I, that's my sort of my secret sensitive model is, you know. So I, I could really ask the Lord because, see, the Lord, here's what I see the Lord wants to do. God wants to release a fire in churches uh, all across this nation. And I've seen this, this vision. There's a, you know, I believe the Lord is going to release a revival in our country. I believe that churches are going to be on fire and it's going to spread and it's going to spread from one church to another church, and it's going to spread all across this nation. And it's going to affect our nation. Okay? And that's really the heart of the Lord. I've see, I see that revival really in my heart, in my mind. I've seen it in visions. And so I believe the Lord's calling us into that time of, real, of a, a real revival and a real awakening in our nation. But the Lord is showing me it, it has to start with a person. In other words, it... It has to start with you and I. He's looking for individuals who will really allow him to do what he wants to do in us. And I believe we need to begin to lay hold of it right now. I don't know when the timing on these things are, 
But I believe this with all my heart. We can lay hold of the future. Like King David, he laid hold of the future when he built David's tabernacle. Because that, that wasn't legal what he did. It was actually against the law of God, of what God had pronounced with, with Moses' tabernacle. But David looked into the future and saw the future. He saw Christ coming. He saw the glory of God on the earth where people had access to it. And somehow, in the grace of God, he was able to pull that in. And when he set up the David's tabernacle, which was basically a tent in the yard that any person could go to and experience the Lord. See, he was, way, he was thousands of years ahead of what happened because he saw the future. And he was able to bring the future into the presence. Well, I believe that's what the Lord's saying to us. Is his future for America is an awakening. His future for the churches is a real revival of fire and passion. And he wants us to begin to begin to pull that in into now. And I believe we can do it. Is anybody with me on that one? Uh, well, so that's I believe that's the the shift. Now, uh, one of the things that happened to me in when I was in Argentina is the Lord began to really speak to me about the cross. In a, in a fresh and new way. I mean, it, just really, it was just really wonderful. And how I really began to see in the cross that everything that we desire, everything that we value, all our doctrines, all our truths, all our experiences, are come, you know, they're empowered by the cross. In other words, if we, if we can't trace our, our life in God and our doctrine, our theology and our experience, if we can't trace it back to the cross, then we probably need to the bell out of it, you know, and, and leave that one alone. But if we can trace it back to the cross, there's going to be power release. Now, what I mean by the cross, I want to give you my definition of the cross. It is, it is the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because that's really what the cross is biblically. That's what it all, it's not just Jesus dying. It's not just Jesus being raised from this. All those things put together. When we speak, when you speak of the cross and the blood, it's all this because, see, if Jesus wouldn't have went back to heaven and said, poured out the the promise of the Father, that's what it says. He gave the promise of the Father. That's the first thing he did when he got to heaven. If he wouldn't have done that, then everything he did would be basically worthless for us because the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to tap into the power of the cross. Are y'all following that? And so that's really what the Lord has for the church. He really wants to bring a fresh revelation. Of the blood. Now, I'm going to use the term the blood, but when I'm using the term the blood, it's the same as the cross. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you. One of the, how many people here have ever heard of E.M. Bounds? Raise your hand. These are the people who love to pray. Is it because E.M. Bounds is a great prayer guy? But this is a statement he said. He said, All God's plans have the mark of the cross on them. All God's plans. In, in other words, anything that God's doing in the earth. The mark of the cross is on it, and if it's not, if the mark of the cross is not on it, it's not God's not doing it. Okay, and I think that's pretty good. Well, Bob Jones a couple years ago had a word, and this is what he said. He's speaking about the enemy hacking, you know, computer hacker, uh, hacking in to people's mind. He said the cross is also being hacked into. Doubt in the finished work of the cross is being sown in the minds of believers. Doubt in the finished work of the cross. Uh, if the cross is not finished, there's nothing in this world that is finished. If the cross is not a finished work, there's nothing in this world that is not finished. And if the cross is not finished, then all that, in other words, what he's saying, if that's not true, then we don't, all that it provides, all that it gives us is not true. So the Lord really wants to begin to give the church, give us a, a greater revelation of the cross, I, I'm totally convinced of. Several years ago, um, I was really in a big mess in my life, okay? And it wasn't a sin mess. It wasn't that I had fallen into sin. It was a, a mess of difficulty in my life where everything in my life was seen to be falling apart. Relationships, everything. Everything that was going on, was, you know, like some people have a, you touch everything, it turns to gold. Well, I, everything I was touching was turning to slime. Literally, I mean, it was just falling apart all around me. And one morning, I will never forget this, one morning I woke up and the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said, these simple words. He said, Byron, the cross never loses its power. The cross never loses its power. Or the blood, literally, he said, the blood never loses its power. And what happened to me is I, at that moment, I made a decision in my heart about the blood of Jesus. Okay? And I, I received it. I, I, Lord, I receive your blood upon my mind because I was, I was at the point of depression, and I'm not a person who gets depressed. Okay, but I was at the point of depression and, and discouragement and 
you know, just like get ready to just give up in my life. And I, I just receive, Lord, I receive the cross. I receive the blood upon my mind, upon my uh, will, and upon my emotion, upon the realm of my soul. I receive that, the power of the blood on it. And with, literally within hours, literally, I, there began to be a shift in my life. I begin, things begin to change in my life because of the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? And see, God, what God wants to do is he wants, to, he wants the church to see that the blood has power to deal with where we are in our lives right now. Okay? And what your situation is, what your circumstance is, there's power to deal with this. Now, this is not a formula. This is a fact. This is a biblical fact. This is a historical fact. And it's an experiential fact if we will receive what God has for us. And it really made, you know, it saved my, myself. It saved me at that point. So, I wanted to give you some scriptures this morning about that uh, and just sort of make some, some comments about the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? All right, the first one is in Luke 22, verse 39 through 44. And this is when Jesus was entering into the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, it says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and, and his disciples followed him. And when he, when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So, I'm gonna, first of all, I want to just hit on this. Human will. There's times when God is calling us to do things that we don't want to do. Okay? Right? And Jesus, that was one of the first things he, he addressed here when it, when, it came, when it comes to the blood of Jesus. It has to do with our will. In other words, God really wants to do something with people's wills. Okay? Because... You know, we're going to be facing things that we don't want to face, that we don't want to go through, that we don't even want to hear about. And what he's saying is, I have the ability through the blood to give you a will to do what must be done. Okay? Yeah? Is anybody hearing that? Does anybody have a situation in life where you just don't have the will to go with it? I'm telling you, the blood has an answer for you this morning. Now listen to this. Uh, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. An angel from heaven. See, that's, that's such an important thing about the, the whole spiritual world. See, right there in the middle of the, of the whole cross picture, an angel appears. In fact, if you look in Jesus' life, angels appeared from time to time in his life to help him. And so God won't, really wants us to get... Nobody here should have a problem with angels. Okay? That really shouldn't be an issue for Christians. If it is an issue, then we need to get back to what the, the Scripture says because God has designed it so that we, if, if Jesus needed help from the angelic ram, we need help from the angelic ram. So we need to really allow the Lord when, just to release the angelic help to us because actually angelic help is being released all the time to Christians, but we're just not connecting with I told you the story about Kenneth Copeland uh, years ago when he got caught up in heaven and visit and, the, and actually had a... Remember that story I told you? Kenneth, not Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen. He got caught... The senior who's, who's with the Lord now, he got caught up into heaven and was speaking with Jesus. And Jesus was talking to him and he knows his angel there standing beside Jesus. And it was like the angel wanted to say something, but, you know, he was talking to Jesus. So his point was, was why would I want to talk to this angel, Lord, if I got you? And the Lord just said, because that's just the way I made it. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. So the angel spoke to him. And here's what the angel said. Remember about a year ago I visited you. And he, was, he remembered a year in his past where in his house something happened. There was a presence came into the house. And it scared him. And the angel said, I came to help you with your finances. And he said, and because you didn't receive my help, you've been in a financial mess for the last year. And that was literally, yeah, you're right, I have been. Well, I'm here to help you again with your finances. You get that? So God, see, God does stuff like that. That's just the way God works. And so when He sends something, like an angelic visitor to you, and you know there's it's for a reason. They're not there just, they're not showing up just for you to have a good time. They're there to help you. They're ministering spirits. They're there to, to help the church or help the people with the needs they have at that moment. So, if Jesus needed it, we need it, correct? And so, I'm not really worried about people worshiping angels and all that. If you, if you worship an angel, we'll just take the Bible and slap you upside the head, fuss at you, make you repent, and you'll be all right and just move on, you know? 
I mean, that's what happened in the Bible when John the Apostle tried to worship the angel. The angel just yelled at him, Stop! <laughs> you know? So, you know, that's the sort of way I look at him because the Lord's is so much better. But listen to this. Let's just get on there. And being, this is Jesus. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. His sweat became... He literally, Jesus literally began to sweat blood. Okay, literally. Okay, now, I don't know if you know about this or not, but there is a, what is in the medical world, a rare phenomena of people sweating blood. It's, and this is it's, it's called, I'm going to spell it because I really haven't figured out how to pronounce this word for nothing. It's H-E-M-A-T-I-D-R-O-S-I-S. That's the medical terminology for sweating blood. Okay? And it, this is the dis- medical description of this. Under great emotional stress. Get that. Under great emotional distress. I want to ask you this morning, if you, any of you have been under great emotional distress... Okay, that's really what causes a person to sweat blood, is being under so much emotional distress. Okay, tiny capillaries in the sweat glands can't open properly to let your sweat out. Okay, so the body temperature gets higher and higher. In fact, it gets dangerously higher, and then those capillaries bust, and then you begin to, the sweat begins to pour with the blood. Okay, and in medical, in medical science says usually and most of the times when a person comes to that place in their life where they're literally sweating blood, it's usually fatal in their life. In other words, Jesus almost died right there in the garden because he was under so much emotional distress. The pressure was on him so intensely. He even said that uh, in Matthew twenty six thirty eight, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death. So the Lord has, a, has an answer for people. The blood of Jesus has an answer for sorrow and distress in your life. Now that's, that's, what it's, that's what it's telling us. The blood of Jesus can address, I don't care what emotional situation, how difficult a thing we're in in our life, how much pressure we're under, okay, how much sorrow has come in our life. Jesus is saying this, the cross, the blood has a, it can address those things if you allow it to. Now, that's, that's the truth of the Bible. That's good news, right? I mean, especially we're in a world today where the pressure is on people. The pressure is on. Difficulties are everywhere. Sorrow is everywhere. Letdown is everywhere. Things are not working in people's lives like crazy. But here's what the Lord's saying. The blood has an answer for that if you allow it. Now, I'm telling you, we've got to get back to those answers. Because what has happened is we've given answers, other answers, that don't really answer it. That sound good, but a lot of it's just psychological mumbo-jumbo. But there's power in this. And, and, and so I'll tell you another thing that I really believe in, and I believe it more and more and more. You know, the, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. I believe that cross that he's speaking of is his cross. Because the Bible says we've been crucified with Christ. Okay? We've been crucified with Him. We died with Him. We experienced, when He was sweating that blood, we were literally in Him sweating that blood. If, if you're a believer, you were there, you had that, if you have experienced that experience, then you don't have to sweat blood. You don't have to go through that because He's already done it for you. Are y'all, are y'all okay? Because y'all just sitting there, I mean, we ought to be just jumping up and knocking people down over this. How many people in this room have gone through some stuff in their life and didn't feel like they were going to make it? Literally. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is saying this. I, I sweated blood so you wouldn't have to not make it. Now, that's, that's the truth of it. All right, it, it goes on, though. This is the first one. All right, uh, verse, uh, Luke 22, 63 through 65. This is, you know, after he was arrested. It says, now the men uh, who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. Note the word mocked, okay? They mocked him. They said things to him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophesy, who is the one who struck you? In other words, they were, they were putting the Lord down. They were making fun of him, hitting him, blindfolding him, and challenging him to be a prophet, to speak things, to speak supernatural things. And many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. And those they said terrible things to Jesus. They spoke terrible things and they hit him. They struck him in the face with their hands. 
Now, I, we all know, you know, we all believe this is, you know, when you discipline your children, you shouldn't slap them in the face, right? I don't know if you've ever been slapped in the face by an adult, but it does bring a lot of humiliation and a lot of shame on you to be hit like that. Well, there's Jesus taking frontal assault, getting struck in the face. Let me read Isaiah 50, verse 6. Uh, it says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheek to those who plucked out my beard. Okay? I did not hide my face from shame and spirit. In other words, those people were not only slapping Jesus, they literally grabbed him by the beard and ripped his beard out of his face by, by the roots of it, leaving gashing, gapping holes in his face and, and saying terrible things to him. And I think what we're going to find in our life that that's one of the most difficult things there are is when people come after us and say awful things to us and accuse us of things that may not be true and say hurtful things to you or spit in your face. Anybody ever had their, been spit in their face? All those kind of things. But you see, the Lord took that for us. He took all that. He took the ultimate force of it. And they, doctors, the medical science says if you do that blood thing, if you start sweating blood, your skin becomes very sensitive, very tender. Can you imagine then him getting slapped in the face after his face was all tenderized and getting his beard? I mean, just that alone sounds awful. But can you just imagine that? See, he's, he's done that for us. That's, there's power in this, okay? There's power that can get released in your life when people come against you, when people say things bad about you, okay? There's power. In other words, there's power not to retaliate back. There's power to be able to withstand that, to be protected from that, and be healed from the stuff that's happened in your past that has hurt you and wounded you. That's why we believe in inner healing. Right here it is. Because people say stuff and do things that hurt us in our lives. I, we could all stand up and probably remember something somebody has done to us, uh, you know, said to us or physically hurt us in a way. Well, here's what the Lord's saying. I, my blood is sufficient for that. My blood can heal you of that and my blood can protect you of that going forward in your life. That's powerful, isn't it? It really is powerful. So the next one is uh, Matthew 27. Aren't you excited about the blood? I, I am. Now, here's the key on this. I'm going to tell you how you do this, okay? I'm going to tell you how you lay hold of this in a real way is you meditate on it. You begin. Here's what you do. You meditate. You lay down. You read those Scriptures, and you begin to see in your mind's eye. You begin to see those soldiers spitting in Jesus' face, those people slapping Him, those people ripping at His beard. You begin to put that in your head. And I'm telling you, as you behold that, you see, something will begin to happen to you. Some, this courage will rise up in your heart. Something will change. And the Bible says we're changed from glory to glory as we behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord. And you see, that's the glory He wants us to see. He just want, doesn't want us just to see the, the wonderful glory, but He wants us to see His pain, His suffering, so we can see that, oh, this is what He's done for me. And this, will, this is the thing. This will cause you to love Him. If you are, are a lukewarm lover of the Lord, or if you're a cold lover of the Lord, when you begin to behold what He's done for you, when you begin to put that in your mind, instead of when somebody's coming against you and attacking you and berating you and putting you down, as you go to the Lord and you think, Lord, those guys literally pulled your beard out. They spit on you. They slapped you. They did all that thing. They said awful things to you, Lord. There will be a release. There will be a freedom in your life. There will be a victory. Instead of you falling into sin and wanting to accuse and put down, you see something else happening. And your mind is not down here on the earth. Your mind is in heaven with Him. And I'm going to tell you, it really works and it will change your life. I'm excited about it. Anyways, it says, all right, then this one in Matthew 27, 27 through 30, this was after Jesus was actually arrested and actually after he had been beaten, and which I'm not even going to go into that one this morning, where he was beaten with 39 lashes. And I think most of you know about the cat of nine tails from watching the Passion movie or reading about it, that it was a whip that had, had rocks and bone fragments tied at the end. So when they would beat someone, they would take this thing and beat it across the back. And then they would, instead of just pulling it back, they would rip it across their back. And it would literally pull chunks of flesh just chunks out, and he did that 39 times. He took that. Okay, so here he was. He'd been slapped. He'd been spit on. He'd been beaten. And there he was. I mean, at this point, you think he'd almost died just sweating. I mean, this is a powerful picture 
of, of the blood of Jesus. He was, I mean, can you imagine? He was probably absolutely delirious. His body probably had a fever of 110 degrees. I mean, because he had just been beat senseless. Now, this is really what God wants us to get. And I'm telling you, as I, since that time, the Lord, when I was in Argentina, began to speak to me, I began purposely in my life meditating daily on that. Meditating daily on his flogging, his beating. Meditating daily on people spitting in his face. And it's really had a major, and it's caused me to love him. It's caused me to desire him. It's caused me to really want to, to be, a, be passionate for him and burn for him and say yes to him. You know, I mean, it, it hadn't caused some stupid thing. It's caused something wonderful. So it says the soldiers of the government took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison. A bunch of soldiers were all around. These were Roman soldiers. These were not. These were mean people, Roman soldiers. These were warriors. These people were trained to hurt people. And, you know, they were frustrated uh, people, those Roman soldiers, because they were stuck down here in Jerusalem, and they hated Jerusalem. They would rather be at home with their family. So they were down there, and they were having to mess with this guy. So you know they has venting a lot of towards towards the people and here they had Jesus and and when they and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and I've read where that uh scarlet robe the blood probably dried on Jesus as they were messing with him and then they took it off of him and just ripped it like a big scab they just ripped it off of him that's a pretty pretty powerful picture but this is the thing I want to say when they had twisted a crown of thorns they put it where on his head they put a crown of thorns on his head. Now, that really speaks of our minds. Okay? Now, I've talked about the will, the emotion of your minds, and of, of dealing with your mind. That's the revelation of, of having the renewed mind of Christ. Here they were. They put this, these crown of thorns, it says, on his head, and a reed in his right hand. And then they bowed the knee before him and mocked him. More mocking, more humiliation, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spit on him, more humility. And then they took this reed and they just they took this reed and began to beat him in the head with it. It says they struck him. That was not a, a love tap. That wasn't a one time hit. They began to hit him in the head over and over and over and over. And every time those thorns being driven down and and the people think these thorns were probably one to two inch thorns. They weren't like little thorns. They were big thorns that was being driven down into his forehead. I mean, that's really what was happening to Jesus. And it was for our minds. It was so our minds. Schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, you know, those are the extreme things. Insanity, lack of intelligence, you know, or just depression, oppression that happens in people's minds. We have an answer for it. You and I have an answer. It's because Jesus suffered that. That we can stand up to Him and say, we don't have to suffer that. We suffered that in Christ. God, He wants to. Re- He's done it for us. He wants us to be free of that. Isn't that the truth? Um, it says in Isaiah 52 that His appearance was marred so much that He was not even recognizable as a man. In other words, He was so beaten. Okay, He was so beaten. Uh, you know, face ripped off. You know. Crown of thorns have driven him, beaten by that cat and has a slap, bruise. I mean, you can imagine the swelling. Can you just imagine what he was going through? That, that he did not look like a human being. That people looked at him, he looked like some grotesque, deformed, messed up thing that had been run through a meat grinder. That's what Jesus looked like. That was what, that's what, when we, so when we talk about the blood... That's what it's all about. And he, the Bible says, the Father was pleased to do that to him. Why was he pleased? Because he wanted us not to have to live the life of of a curse, to live the life of rejection, to live a life of hurt, of sickness, and all those things because of the blood. And I'm telling you, that's what the church has to get back to. that's, That's where the real power is. There's no power... Okay, in the revelation of the Father, unless you understand that Jesus was totally rejected. That He was totally abandoned by the Father. That's where the revelation of the Father can come to us. When we realize He got rejected and abandoned, I don't have to be. And that's how we can bring this thing, this shift to a world out there, that when the blood of Christ and the power of the cross becomes a reality in our life, that is real to us, and we can release it to other people because that's where the blood, that's where the power is. I'm excited about it. Okay, well, let me just go ahead and, and, and get, I got, well, we're pretty good, man. I'm just moving on here. I'll be done. Are y'all good so far?
Yeah, amen. Thank you. All right, now this, this one's John uh, 19. So there's so much more I'm not giving you on this, but I can tell you, I could take you if I had time on everything that he said there on the cross, everything that happened. I could take you through all of it and show you something that if we really grabbed a hold of it and we really believed it, like he said, the blood never loses its power. It can change your life. It can do something in your circumstance and your situation right this moment if we really believe it. I'm telling you. Now, if we don't believe it, it ain't going to work because everything works on faith in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you something. It works. The blood works. How many people in this room have a disappearance? You, you committed the sin. You don't have to raise your hand because I know everybody in the room has. You committed the sin. And you said to Jesus, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Wash my heart from that evil conscience. And right then you knew something happened to you. In other words, you might have done something really bad. And suddenly you, were, and you confessed it. You repented of it. You let the blood come. I'm good. I'm good. I'm in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you that. That's what the blood will do for you. If you, if you, if you sin... You see, we believe that, right? I mean, I got saved. I was a mean person. I was going to hell. We got saved because we believed it did something to us. We believed in the blood. We believed in its saving power. We believed it. And when we sin, we believe it can do something for us. And it does because we believe it. And see, the believing just, just is like the conduit that connects us up to the power of it. Well, I, at least I do anyway. You know, I'm always having to repent. Anyways, listen to this. And he, bearing his cross, went out to, to a place called the place of a skull. Now, what's inside your skull? Your brain, right? Your mind. Now, literally, I just want to repeat this. I know this is a repeat to you. And it's been proven by scientists. Your mind literally is not located here in your brain. Because there have been, been people who have been brain, died and were clinically brain dead. Okay, clinically brain dead, but they revived them medically and they had memories of what was going on around them when they were brain dead. Tell us this, your real mind, your, that's just an organic part up there inside that skull. Your real mind is somewhere in your soul realm. Okay, that's where all your subconscious thoughts are. That's where your intelligence, all that's buried down there. They think it's buried up there in gray matter, but scientists have proven, no, it's not. Okay. But anyway, symbolically, this is a great thing. It says they, 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 he went to this place of a skull, where, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. Have you all seen pictures of it, right? Everybody's seen pictures of Golgotha. It literally looks like a skull with eyes. This rock, this hill, it literally looks like a real skull. That's why they call it a place of the skull. And where they crucified him and two others with him. So really what the Lord, one of the pictures he's trying to give us is the carnal thinking. The carnal thinking that we carry as human beings, that we're born, that the cross, that the blood of Jesus has dealt a death blow to the carnal thinking. We don't have to think bad stuff. We don't have to think evil stuff. Now, I know you. some of y'all are really good people and you don't think bad things, right? You don't have these bad thoughts that come into your mind. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I think some bad stuff, stuff I don't need to be thinking, okay? I don't need to be thinking, but I've realized those thoughts are not my thoughts. Those are the thoughts from the devil, and I reject them, okay? But you don't have to. Jesus has made a way where you don't have to think those bad thoughts. But even more so, even more so, there's something even greater than this. That, I believe the greatest revelation of Golgotha is that skull represented the devil's head. That the devil, that Jesus said, yeah, go ahead, devil, you know, do this to me, hang me up on that cross, but really that cross is going to be literally, it is going to be like a dagger driven into your head. Driven into your head. The Bible says Jesus in, in Colossians 2.15 has defeated the devil. He said he made an open show of the devil. See, here's the problem with us. We are defeated. Our circumstances have beat us. We have magnified the devil, the church has. We've made the devil this big terror. And he terrorizes Christians. And the Bible states that he is defeated. And it says that Jesus made an open show. Literally in the Greek, it says Jesus stripped him naked and took all his weapons from him. And so here's how we arm the devil. We believe his lies he brings to us. And when we believe him, we're giving him authority in our life. Now, I want to read this out of Habakkuk. How many people read Habakkuk recently? Sam. I'm amazed. There's two people. There was somebody. I thought, nobody's going to read Habakkuk. There's no Christians to read Habakkuk. 
They don't even know what's in the Bible, half of them. Then people are showing me up in both services. We've read it. In fact, one girl in the first service, I just read that this morning. <laughs> but this a pack of 3, 13, 14 is a powerful scripture. Listen to this. Talking about Jesus. Talking about, actually, it's talking about the Father and Jesus. You went forth. You went forth for the salvation of your people. For salvation with your anointed. That's, that's Jesus. Listen to this. You struck the head. That's Golgotha. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. That's, and Paul, that's why Paul said he made an open spinner. You struck the head of the devil. You, he was the leader of the, of the enemy. He's the leader of the house of the wicked. And the cross, you can just see the cross. You know, yes, that was the devil's, devil's weapon in his hand. And he went for it. And Jesus said, go for it. He didn't realize when he drove that cross and Jesus was slammed down on that cross, the devil was driving that cross into his head, into his own head. Yeah. I mean, that's really what happened. And it says this, you thrust through with his own arrows, talking about the devil's, the devil's own weapons that he had designed to destroy Jesus. The Lord took those very weapons and said, I'll show you. The enemy pulled the trigger, and the Lord grabbed the bullet and threw it back in at light speed. And see, that, I'm telling you, that's what happens in our life. And see, that's what, what, how God meant us to live. And when, whatever the enemy brings to you, sickness, you know, a, emotional breakdown, circumstances, poverty, all that, you can take those things. If you are really believing in the power of the blood, if it's a reality, and you can take those things and say, you know what, I'm going to take this enemy, and I am going to beat you silly with it. I'm going to beat you into the ground with it. But most Christians are dragging around. They're so beat up that they don't even really believe have what the Bible says. So here's what I did. When the Lord, you know, I had that experience with the Lord. He said, the blood never loses its power. I had an instant release. Okay, but then the Lord spoke to me in recent times when He began to speak to him. He said, meditate on the cross. Meditate on the blood. Put these pictures in your mind. And as I began to do this, power started coming out of my life. Areas where I had fear started getting broken off of me. Areas where I felt, uh, you know, a little messed up in my emotions, you know, my situations, my circumstances going on around me that were really beating on me, all of a sudden those things, maybe they didn't change. In fact, I'll tell you they didn't change. But guess what happened? I got free. Suddenly I didn't feel all banged up and beat up, you know. Suddenly something started happening to me. It's, I hate to use the word, it's like something magically happened to me. Well, it wasn't magic. It was the blood of Jesus doing what Jesus said it would do, what the Bible has proclaimed it would do. And so what God wants to do, did I read the rest of it? I just want to, it said, You thrust through with the own arrows ahead of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor and secret. That was sort of the picture of what the devil was trying to do. You know another great picture in the Bible? of this very thing is in the book of Esther. You know, there was this guy named Haman. He plotted and he, Mordecai, this guy, wouldn't worship him. Hello, I'm, you know, I'm not worshiping you. And he built these gallows to hang, hang uh, uh, Mordecai on. And guess who hung on those gallows? The guy who built them. It's a prophetic picture. The Lord said, you know what, one of these days, somebody's going to build a gallows to hang your height. And if you'll, if you'll believe, if you will believe in what I've done for you, and you can hang their hide on it. Talking about the devil. I don't think we need to go be hanging people. You know? But that's really how the God wants to do it. And that's what Jesus did to the devil. He hung him on the very weapon, the very gallows that he meant for him to hang on. Isn't that wonderful? Well, here's how you do this. So here's a practical way of applying the blood. You, I, this, you gotta, it's got to be practical. Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. Aren't you excited about the blood? Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. So that's one of the things that the Lord wants us to is, is being thankful. I'll tell you what I saw. I saw an altar of worship being built right here. I saw an altar of worship, and the Lord said, that's what's important right now, is being a worshiping people, being a praising people, being a thankful people. And you build this altar. And then I saw this angel come. And this angel had a coal in his hand, a big, long coal. Big old, long. It wasn't just a little bitty round coal. It was a big, long one. And he took this coal and he set it on this altar. Okay? And the Lord said, that's the fire that he wants to release in the church. It's when you build an altar of worship, there's a fire coming. It's going to start that fire that's going to be that revival. That's going to burn the church. The church is going to burn. And then there's another church down the road. They're going to get a coal. 
and it's going to start a fire in them. And in another, because there's a lot of coals in that altar in heaven because it's big. In fact, you know, the Bible says there's a river of fire. Is that Daniel 7, Marlon? There's a river of fire. Is that fire, that river in heaven, that river of life also manifests as a fire. And God is really wanting to bring fire into Christians. He's wanting to set Christians on fire. Okay, I'm telling you, he does. I think about that song Andy Squires did, uh, Glory in the High. That's my favorite Andy Squires song. And the reason that, you know, we sang it today. The reason it's my favorite is the first time we sang it in this church, I had a vision. And I saw in this vision, I saw into heaven, I saw all the martyrs from eternity past to present. All the, and they were all marching to their sure death. They were marching to death. But the look on their face, there was adoration and love and passion for the Lord. And their face was saying this, Lord, you are worthy of this. We are excited to get to do this. This is the best thing we were ever going to do. That was the look on their face. And I'm thinking, my God, I don't think that. That's why I felt humiliated when I saw that vision. Because I realized I don't feel that way. Well, you know, martyrdom is a gift from heaven. Not everybody's going to be a martyr. It's a gift. It's something God has to give you. But I realize there's a passion we, you and I can have for the Lord. I mean a real passion. It's a gift from God. And I believe when we begin to meditate, instead of filling your minds with your problems and your failures and your difficulties and your circumstances, fill your mind with the blood of Jesus. Fill your mind with people sitting there spitting on Him, beating Him in the head with a crown of thorns. When you begin to do it, just let that, you know, just as you soak, let that come into you. Something will happen. You, suddenly the transformation will begin to happen in your life. And this thing will happen in you. This desire will rise up in you. This desire for God. This, this hunger for Him. You know, because we can set our minds on a lot of things. You know, we can set our minds on bad things and want those bad things, Right? You start thinking about, you know, apple pie, for instance. You know, you could just think about apple pie and just, just crave apple pie. I mean, you know, I love those m and Yeah, it does. Those M&M's, Almond Joy M&M's, I could start thinking about them things and go nuts. Have you all ever had them? Things are good. I can eat a whole bag at one time. I'm serious. I have to be careful about it. I buy a bag and I hide it from myself, literally. Like, I don't want to know where this is at. Because I think about them and think about, oh, I just love Almond Joy m and I just love to have some more. Well, we can do this. The, something, I'm telling you, I want you to get this. Something can happen with you. Something can happen. We set our minds on the blood of Jesus, on the, the power of God to get released in your life. Well, this is a practical thing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. You know, just when you messed up in your life, just I was, that's one of the things I did. I got messed up, got mad, and... But I started thinking about how Jesus saved me, how Jesus chose me. And I began to think about how, what would my life be like if I would not have gotten saved? Well, here's how it is. I probably wouldn't be here today. I would probably be dead, okay, because I was in a very dark, evil world. I was living in an evil world, and I would have probably died from it. Or I would have been such a messed up human being, you know, that, you know, just, I wouldn't be just... It would be no, it would be no existence. I'd be sick because I would want to be high all the time to cover my sorrow. You know, and I think about that, how God saved me out of that, you know, and how He delivered me. And see, just think of something like that. One little thing can change your life, and can can cause you to look at see see your life different. Anyways, sometimes maybe what we ought to do is have a testimony meeting and let people share how Jesus saved them. You know, I experienced the fire of God. That's how I got saved. I was, so on, I was so high on drugs and drunk one night, and I was with a girl. I've told you this before. I love this, though, how God did it. I was, I was going for, you know, the world was spinning. Everything was spinning. You know, and, and when I was, you know, and when things spin, you get sick. Right? I mean, sooner or later, you're going to get, and I was going to throw up right there in the car. I couldn't even drive. I was going to throw up, and I was too prideful to throw up in front of this girl. So I cried out to God to save me Please help me not throw up. And this fire came on me. And I went from being blown out of my mind, drunk out of my mind, to instantly straight. I mean, I was doing bad drugs. I was instantly straight. I was instantly sober. And I was instantly scared to death. Because <laughs> I thought, this is weird. <laughs> this is not normal. And guess what? I got back to my apartment. When me and this girl was going to spend some evening together, I thought I was too scared to spend the evening with her. Because I was on fire. I experienced the fire of God. And it touched me. And I tell you what, it made me like, ooh. And I, you know what's so stupid, though? I did not get saved right then. 
That was crazy. I did not get saved. It was probably three months later. But this is what happened to me. I love this. I started having this hunger for God. I started thinking these questions in my mind. I kept going back through. I, I read some. I would get high and read the Bible. I'm serious. And I would catch myself doing it. I think, what am I doing? I would spend hours reading the Bible. Literally hours were given. I think, what am I doing? And I kept having this thought. Okay, God created the earth. God created me. Where did God come from? That question drove me nuts. Where did He come from? And then one day, one night literally, Jesus came into the room. He came into my room. I felt His presence. I felt this love reach out to me. And, and I don't know how to explain it. All my questions were answered. I can't, still can't tell you where God came from. Because <laughs> He sort of like doesn't come from anywhere. He's just there. But my, I got saved. I received it. And I took all these drugs, hundreds of dollars worth of drugs. And I flushed them out because I knew if I don't do it now, in the morning I'll be getting them. And I flushed them because I knew me. I flushed them away. I flushed that life away. Okay? Amen. And God saved me. He saved me. And I'll tell you, God wants to save people. That's why I was saying, have a meeting like we did the other night where people could come in that don't know the Lord. Okay? I'm getting secret sensitive on you. <laughs> and play great music like they were playing. They weren't, it was great music. It was, in, it was peaceful music. It was music that made you feel good. Made your heart feel at rest. People need to find that somewhere. And it was a nice, like a coffee house atmosphere. And so you bring them in there and they start feeling that something's going to happen. And you've got people praying over these people when they walk in and go, well, how you doing? And it's releasing the Spirit of the Lord. And then one day you grab them and just sling them into the river. <laughs> oh, I told you. <laughs> God changes their life. God wants to do that. I'm telling you. But I'm telling you, there's power in the cross. But I wanted to finish this. Let the Redeemer of the Lord say so. Whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And this is what you do. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's what you say. Now you can say stuff all day, but if it's real in your heart, when it's real in your heart, you can say it. It was real in my heart that night. Jesus Christ has saved me. That was very real. I've been saved from my sins. I'm not going to hell. Those people who wanted to kill me, they're not going to get up. They ain't going to find me. Those people who literally wanted to kill me. They're not going to find me. I believed it. The blood did something to me. And that's what we can do. We can do this thing with the blood. When your mind's messed up, no, I see them people beating Jesus over their head. No, I believe the power of the blood covers my head. When your emotions are ripped out, of the, just ripped out, and you can't stand it, you can't hardly even face anything because your emotions are you just destroyed emotionally. No. People said awful things to Jesus. They spit in His face. They slapped and They ripped His beard out of His face. I don't have to do this. You see what I'm saying? I'm telling you, I've, I've become a bigger believer. I, I thank God. I mean, He just spoke to me supernaturally down in Argentina, you know, about the blood of Jesus, about the cross, about, you know, Byron, if you believe something and you can't trace it back to the cross, then, then dump it. Just drop it. And then He said, let me show you where the Father's heart is is in the cross. That was one of those moments when they said, Byron, you're supposed to preach. Come up right now. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what am I going to preach on? And see, Jesus wants to do that for everybody. You know, he wants, to, he wants to reveal the blood. He wants us, that's what I said at the beginning, He wants us to go from uh, ex having experiences to being that experience. Okay? And you know what I'm saying? Where we are that experience, where we bring God to people. We experience Him so much. And I believe in that. I believe it. And I'll tell you this. I am going after that revival that God's... I'm going, I've decided, I'm going after it now. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to start pulling. I'm going to have a revival. One more thing. In the days of Roman Empire where Christians were being persecuted, this is what they did. Okay? They took Christians and they wrapped them in this waxy substance and they put them out there on poles and lit them on fire to light their gardens for their parties. Those were some of those Christians I saw that said, it was worth it, it was worth it, he was worth it all to burn like that. 
Now, I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying God's wanting to burn everybody up physically here, but I am saying he wants, to us, he wants to burn in our hearts. He wants us to burn with passion for him. That's how he really wants us to burn. And I'll tell you, the cross, the blood of Jesus will give you that passion. It will do something to you. It will change you. And so I'm going to pray that. Okay? So, but here, I want you to make this positive confession with me about the, by overcoming the adversary. That the blood is overcome. And so when the devil comes to you, you have a weapon to pull out against him. You have something to face him down where he can't get to you. Yeah? So let's just stand. Are y'all good? Well, you know, the, new, the uh, 1 o'clock is the new 12 o'clock. I told them that in the first service, you know, that 10.30 is the new 12 o'clock for the first service because that boy spoke, he spoke eight minutes past 1 o'clock. What is wrong with him? <laughs> I heard you to hear that when I was a kid. That preacher spoke five minutes after 12. I don't believe we've got to talk to him about that. Jesus, Father, let's just confess this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, 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 say Father, I believe in the blood of Jesus today. I believe the blood never loses its power. So I receive your blood right now into my soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will. Wash it. Cleanse it. Renew it. Let the power of the blood cause me to love Jesus. And Father, I'm asking you for that grace to put my mind on these things until they become a real reality in my life. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus today. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Lord, we just love you, Lord. We just bless you, Lord. You're good, Lord. We just say that today. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. We've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The cross has made a way. We thank you for that today, Lord. Amen. So we, we wanted to pray for people this morning. If you're sick, we didn't even bring that one up, but if you're sick today, there's power in the blood to heal. So if you want to raise your hand if you're sick today, you have ailments in your body. Anybody? We are really a great morning. There's nobody sick in here. Except you. Y'all need to come on out here and get more prayer. Come on out here. This faith gets released from you. Alright, and anybody else, if you just are suffering in your life and you would like prayer this morning to, to, for the power of the blood to come, the power of the cross to begin to work in your life, your finances, because you know the thorns speak of poverty, speak of a curse on the earth. God is saying, I'll break that stuff for you. I have the power, the blood can do this. Okay, if you're one of those people, you come up. Or if you're just somebody who just suffering emotionally or any of this, whatever you, whatever, we don't care. I believe the blood covers it all and will take care of it all. So we just want to, you know, take the end of the time here and just pray for people and release the power of the blood into your life. You know, the healing power and deliverance power. And, you know, anybody in here needs to be saved today. Jesus wants to save you like he saved me. Lord, bring your fire on them people who need to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just worship you. And I just want to pray for everybody. Lord, let your countenance and your glory come and rest on us. The power of, of your life, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name today. Amen. Amen. So we just get people up, uh, ministry team up to be praying for people.